Is your fleet keeping up with the post-pandemic changes in driver job-seeking behavior? You probably won't be surprised to learn that driver job-seeking behaviors have changed over the past couple of years. For example, the number of initial contacts coming in from drivers after hours and on weekends is up compared to pre-pandemic times, and what might have been considered normal seasonal behavior is now, well, not quite so predictable. 10 Street co-founder and CEO Tim Crawford tracks those trends, and he's here with us to share some of his observations. He's also got some suggestions for fleets that want to stay ahead of this evolving dynamic. When you're through listening to this podcast, please take a moment to share it with your friends on social media and connect with HDT. We have links to all our social media platforms in the description. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll be notified each time we drop a new episode. This episode is sponsored and produced in partnership with 10 Street. I'm Jim Park. This is Leadership Insights. Well, hi there, Tim, and uh, thanks for joining us on HDT Talks Trucking's Leadership Insights Podcast. Good to have you aboard, sir. Well, I appreciate it. Really appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, before we dive into the intricacies of driver recruiting and retention, can you tell us a bit about 10th Street and its place in the driver recruiting and retention world? Yeah, yeah, yeah be happy to. So 10th Street's a software company that connects carriers of all sizes with drivers of all types. So carriers from five trucks up to 20,000 and, and drivers, you know, owner operators, company drivers, students, uh, experienced drivers, kind of all shapes and sizes. Okay. Sounds good. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in today's driver market. I guess it, it's a little bit different than what it was a few years ago. How has drivers job seeking behavior changed over the past few years? Yeah, it really has. It really hasn't. And, and the big thing that's changed is you know, the effect of the pandemic, right? It's affected every part of the world and and, and driver's job-seeking behavior is no exception. Um, you know, as the pandemic really hit and as the shutdown really happened uh, back in the spring of 20, um, we saw a massive drop, right? As, as drivers um, uh, were shutting down along with the rest of the world. And then ever since then, it's been a kind of slow uh, slog back to pre-pandemic levels. Um and, and so it feels like hey, we're, drivers are, are still hard to find, um, uh, but there are more drivers sort of looking for work today than we've seen since the, uh, before the pandemic started. Well, during the pandemic, did drivers kind of retreat from looking for new jobs, new carriers? Did they just settle on the one they were working for and figure, you know, safe harbor, I'll stay here while this whole thing sorts itself out? It, it's... Yes, is the, the answer. And, and there's a lot of variation there. You know, some drivers um, uh, decided to, to step out of the market for a period of time. We heard that anecdotally. Uh, some drivers stayed with the carrier they're at. I, unfortunately, I think some drivers exited the industry altogether. Right? Um, and so it's lots and lots of um, you know, different things the drivers are doing throughout the pandemic. And so how did fleets respond to that? Did they... Uh do their recruiting efforts need to be updated or changed to keep pace with uh, the way drivers are job seeking now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, recruiting processes, I, you know, I kind of like to think of it as more of a journey than destination, right? Um, and they're constantly evolving as um, technology changes, as drivers change, as the market changes, the demand for drivers changes. Uh, and so absolutely. So, 
we've got a really tight driver market now. We've have had for a while. Um, that's a given. Uh, so from the fleet's perspective, does that tightness make them more likely to hire the first driver that they talk to or the first one that comes through the door? Or can they still afford to be selective? Should they afford to be selective about who they hire? I think it's, it's really hard for uh, carriers to be selective. Um, in, in the sense of, hey, if you have someone that meets your hiring criteria, um, but may not be an ideal candidate, it's a good candidate, but not an ideal for a given carrier, it's really difficult for that carrier to say, no, no, we're going to wait for the next one, right? The next, the next driver will come through, but it might be a few days, it might be a few weeks, and no one likes to see orientation classes with available seats in them, right? No one likes to see trucks on the fence. Um, and, and that pressure is, is so intense on carriers to, to sort of keep those assets moving and generating revenue. But I, I suppose you could probably hire a few mistakes in that rush to fill those seats, right? You have to be pretty careful still. Oh, exactly. Exactly. It's a really tough position that carriers are in. And it's really just a, it's a matter of saying a balance between, hey, the pressure of those trucks on the fence with making sure that not only from a regulatory perspective, everything's buttoned up and compliant, but also from an insurance and you know, potential liability down the road. Um, that, that everybody's comfortable with the decisions you're making sort of day to day. It's really tough balancing act. So Tim, you've got a really interesting blog on the 10 street website. I was over there looking around the other day and, uh, you track trends pretty carefully about what's going on in the retention business. Uh, what sort of things of trends, I guess, have you seen over the first quarter of 2022 in that, uh, in that blog? And what can you, what can you talk about there? Yeah, I mean, what, what we've seen is the the level of activity that we've seen from from drivers um, is consistently higher than what we've seen any time since before the pandemic started, which we think is heartening. It's got to be good news for drivers and for carriers, right? There's there's more normalcy, kind of re- hopefully returning for good, um, and it looks in all sorts of ways in terms of hey, how uh, often drivers are sort of dipping their their toe in the market. How many carriers are drivers looking at? Um, and and uh, I think that speaks to a, kind of a return of some optimism from both drivers and carriers about what the future brings. Did you see anything in the first uh, Q1 data for 2022 that was sort of different or unique from previous years, something that caught your eye? You know, it, it's very different from pre-pandemic and a return to, or I'm sorry, very different from what we saw during the pandemic, rather, and very different uh, in nature from what we even saw before the pandemic. You know, in the, in the past, there was a, a pretty predictable seasonality to when drivers were looking to, to uh, make a move. Different times of the year, really busy in January, really slow in February, kind of picking up. All those old seasonality rules seem to have shifted. So while there's more drivers kind of thinking about making a move and 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 uh, connecting with carriers, um, it's not in the same cadence we've seen in the past. And where things settle out, I think uh, it's too soon to tell, and I don't think we know yet. Interesting. You talk about seasonality. Um, one of the items on your blog was called the Application Activity uh, Index. Uh, Data suggests there that more applications are being submitted on Mondays than any other day of the week. Never mind seasonality. Monday. Uh, any idea why that's uh, why that's the case? You know, 
I wish I could say, yes, this is exactly why this is. I mean, I've been around the industry longer than I like to think about. I think it's 24 or 25 years. And ever since then, um, Mondays have always been really, really busy. Um, you know, are those drivers that had a frustrating weekend? Is it kind of a, uh, a new resolution to, hey, I'm going to try to make sure I've got the best job I possibly can get? I, I don't, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, the, the interesting thing is that even though there's a, a higher volume of applications that come in on Monday, um, a higher percentage of drivers who apply on Monday get hired than guys who apply on any other day of the week. Um, and which is kind of a bit of a head scratcher. You know, it's, it's the, the recruiters are struggling to keep up. Um, if the drivers were maybe applying just because they, they had a rough weekend and, and uh, uh, had gotten frustrated, um, you might think, hey, that those drivers um, may not follow through on the job search process mm -hmm. or the recruiters might get a little buried and may not be able to get to all the candidates uh, that apply on Mondays. That doesn't seem to be what, what happens, interestingly enough. Um, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's just kind of a strange sort of artifact of uh, what happens in the data. So there's more applications submitted on Mondays and more drivers hired on Mondays. That, is that the, what you said? Yeah, if the, if the, the, the percentage of drivers who apply on Monday that ultimately get hired mm -hmm. is higher than the drivers who applied on any other day of the week. Interesting. Are, are they yeah, successful hires or have you ever tracked the, uh, uh, the tenure that those drivers maintain with the carriers? You know, that's a, a great question. We haven't done that. Um, uh, but that's a really interesting question. I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, it's been a long time since I was in the driver market as a driver. Uh, in fact, when I got out, it was even really before the days of driver recruiting. Um, but I could imagine a driver being utterly frustrated, having you know had a bad weekend, maybe been laid over in New Jersey when they didn't want to be, and come Monday morning they just go ah to heck with this, put out a bunch of applications and take one. But it would be interesting to follow that driver to see if you know the move that they made turned out to be the right move, and they went on to a better job and a better carrier with a longer, better relationship. It would be. It would be. I mean, one of the things that we see is on average. Um, drivers at least dip a toe in the water of the, the, the job market about twice a year. Um, and that's been pretty constant over time uh, with a really wide distribution. There's drivers who are applying for work every month. There's also drivers who apply, you know, every two or three years. But on average, it's a couple times a year. And would that be drivers who are satisfied with their job? They're just kind of testing the wind? Um so no, yeah. no, not necessarily any indicators that they're about to quit if you're the carrier. Drivers are just seeing what's out there. Yeah, I, th I think you're exactly right. I think it's a, um, there's so many variables that move around, right? Which fleets have, have freight, um, pay packages are constantly shifting, benefits packages are constantly shifting. Um, and I think uh, drivers are just trying to experiment and, and, uh, and, and just, test the waters to see, see what's, uh, what the possibilities are. Well, that puts an interesting spin on both the recruiting and retention angles. Uh, you're trying to keep your drivers happy as a fleet, you know, in, in the retention side, you're doing a good job, apparently successfully, the drivers like working there, 
but yet they submit an application sort of out of the blue and something better pops up. Next thing you know, they're out the door, despite all the good stuff you've done. That's got to be frustrating for them. It is, but I think I think the thing that, that I always remember is that from a driver's perspective, no driver really wants to go switch jobs, right? In the, in the best of uh, circumstances, um, uh, you know, they lose several days or a week's worth of pay. Yeah, right? that's frustrating. Um, and so, you know, they're not, I don't believe most drivers are, are moving jobs at the drop of a hat. Um, it's going to be something that, that there's a pretty compelling reason, right? Um, but I do think there is an ongoing kind of monitoring process that the driver has in the run the market. Okay, well, let's talk about things from the carrier side here for just a second. Uh, what sort of approaches uh, have you seen carriers taking that seem to be proving the most successful for them? Yeah, I think um, you know the the first one is speed. Absolutely, the first one is speed. the The faster a carrier connects with a driver, uh, the better their odds of of converting that driver from an applicant to a hire or an applicant to a, to an active driver. Um, and by speed, I don't mean hours; I mean minutes. Minutes, right? Wow. Um, uh, if a carrier connects with a driver within five minutes of, a, of an application being submitted. They're twice as likely to hire the driver. Um, uh, and that's really, really important. Uh, so minutes matter. Um, the, the second comment I would make is, is days matter. Um, carriers whose overall hiring cycle is uh, uh, five days, seven days um, uh, from start to finish, hire at a much, much higher rate than, than carriers who, whose hiring cycle happens 15 to 20 days. Um, it's absolutely true. And then, then the, the, the third thing that, that is, um, I don't know about you, but I don't, when somebody's trying to, you know, market to me, can, you know, uh, sell me, um, I don't like to think of myself as a kind of a demographic to be reached. I kind of like to think of myself as a person. Um, and, and the carriers that very, very quickly make a personal individual connection with that driver, whether that's around, um, how their home time works in a way that makes sense for that driver um, uh, and really listens to what that driver wants as an individual tend to have more success. Carriers need to know this. Do they? Um, when you talk to your clients, do they seem surprised or shocked that this is an approach that they should be taking or do they already do that? No, no. I, th- I think they, broadly speaking, I think everybody gets it. Everybody knows it. I think what's hard is um, there's a big difference between knowing it and doing it and doing it at scale yeah. and doing it consistently. Um, and that's, that's our job as kind of software providers is, Hey, how do we make it easier to do the things that people wanted to do all along? Um, you know, and that, uh, that applies to both on the recruiting and on the retention side. Hey, how do, how do we, how do we take stuff? That's just a hard problem mm-hmm. um, and, and make it easier to do what people are sort of shooting for. Well, when you bring the recruiter into this, they typically work eight-hour days like the rest of us. Um, one of the graphs on your blog showed the time of day when most job applications come in, and it's yeah. nine to five or eight to four, something predictable. But there's no shortage of applications that come through late at night or early, early in the morning. Do recruiters have to be on the job like all the time, 24-7, to catch those uh, uh, early birds, as it, as it were, catch the worm? No, they don't. They don't. Uh, although um, that might be shifting. Um, 
So ballpark, about 55% of applications come in after hours or on weekends. 50% broadly, yeah. Broadly speaking. And those applicants that come in after hours on weekends, um, while qualitatively it's hard to tell, if you look at sort of the objective factors, experience, accidents, violations, they're nominally about the same type of driver as people apply Monday to Friday, eight to five. Okay. You know, um, they may not be the best, always be the best fits and uh, determining what the right carriers for driver is really hard. But objectively, hey, it's probably in the same ballpark, but they hire on at about half the rate of the drivers who hire that apply Monday to Friday, eight to five. Um, and so that feels like a pretty big opportunity there. Um, you know, off of a really low base, admittedly, um, we saw the amount of recruiting activity that happens after hours and over weekends. It's gone up about 30% over the course of the pandemic. Um, you know, it's still less than 10%, right? So it's off of a really low mm-hmm. base, yeah. but uh, a meaningful shift, um, which we anecdotally kind of ascribe to more people working remote or more people working from home. Um, you know, where it just becomes easier. You're not going to the office to do, you know, uh, you know, connect with a driver. You're going down to the to your home office or opening up your laptop, you know, sitting on the sofa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes easier. Um, and and if you the interesting thing is if you believe that response time matters, right, which we do, we see it very, very clearly in the data. And if you look and you go, hey, half of our applications are coming in after hours or on weekends. And half of the the hiring rate for those drivers is half it feels like there's an opportunity there um the good news is you don't have to to respond within five minutes if you're nights and weekends you know my horrible line is it's kind of like you need you're trying to be kind of like the valedictory net reform school right you don't <laughs> have to be um world beating to be the fastest on nights and weekends and i think more and more of our carriers are, are trying to grasp that nettle and figure out, okay, how do we do that um, effectively? And it's hard. It really is hard, you know, between, you know, overtime pay and commissions and all the things that you have to do to, to incent uh, recruiters and keep recruiters working. It's a tough, tough problem, but we're seeing more people trying to grab a hold of it and try to figure out how to make it happen. Well, you've, you've just sort of explained that there's all sorts of drivers out there, all kinds of different reasons and times of day when they might apply or think about applying for a new job. Uh, should fleets be tailoring their messaging directly to the kind of driver that they want to hire? In other words, if they've had luck with the uh, 3 a.m. on a Tuesday type of recruiter uh, recruit, do they have a specific or different message for that guy than they would have for somebody who re- you know applies on a Monday morning or Monday afternoon? They they. Do I don't know that I know of anybody doing you know different messaging based on sort of time of day or you know the sort of the application seeking behavior, the job seeking behavior. Um, we do see people tailoring it based on you know what is going to be of most interest to that driver, prioritizing home time okay. or pay or miles, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Um, but the the I think that where we see people having the most success is going from kind of a marketing pitch to a conversation as quickly as possible. You know, so they'll, they'll tailor that initial kind of value proposition to what they think the, the, the drivers are most going to be most interested in. 
Um, but the faster they pivot, the better. Um, I'll give you an example. So we have clients who send out lots of emails, lots of emails. And a lot of clients spend a lot of time working on those emails to make them look really professional, right? Uh, air quotes implied. And, and some of the emails look great. And other clients, um, you know, the, the emails are, uh, are much more rustic, if you will. Um, the, the, the plainer the email is, the better the response is. Um, you know, if you send out a really slick marketing message, especially two steps in, three steps into the recruiting process, the odds of it getting ignored go really, really high. Hmm. Um, if I send you an individualized message that looks like something with that I would send you as a person, the odds of it getting read and responded to, whether that's an email message, a text message, what have you, um, just go way up. Just go way up. People like to be uh, uh, interacted with and treated as an individual. Right. So the faster you can pivot to that, the better the success you're going to have. I don't find that at all surprising. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is, I mean, it is pretty intuitive when you take kind of a step back. Mm -hmm. right? Well, if you're the recipient of that message and, and you read one that's like you say, honed and polished and it's got all the marketing buzzwords in it, kind of go, oh yeah, here we go again. But when something right. sounds like, Hey, my friend, how you doing? It's good to talk to you. You know, hope you enjoyed your camping trip, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about a new, I mean, I would be more likely to respond to that. I think personally, yeah. it's just one guy out of 3 million. So what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, before we uh, we wrap up things here, Tim, we're coming up on our time limit. Uh, could you provide like maybe three tips or three top things carriers could uh, could think about doing to improve their hiring outcomes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the first one is to uh, look at the whole process from the driver's perspective. You know, um, if most of your drivers are applying via phone, which they are, uh, what does that look like? Right. Is the um, from the first contact on whatever advertising source you're using all the way through agreeing an, an orientation date. How easy is that process from a driver's perspective to manage? What are those um, what are those follow on requests that recruiters and processes are making? Um, how easy is that for the driver to, to comply with? A lot of times kind of um, decisions get made years ago and they just kind of they just kind of accumulate, mm -hmm. right? And, and all of a sudden, when you take, uh, you know, from a driver's perspective, um, it's hard to navigate and it's slow. And it's, oh, I didn't know we were doing that. Or I didn't know that that process came up that way on a phone, right? Put yourself in your driver's position, number one. Um, number, number two um, would be, uh, look at things from a uh, a compliance and regulatory perspective, which isn't a lot of fun, admittedly. Um, uh, but there's lots of risks out there um, around uh, compliance, both uh, relative to nuclear verdicts as well as compliance with all the hiring laws. It's not a lot of fun, but it can definitely get you into trouble, right? And make sure you're you're straight on that would be kind of the the, the second. And then, then the, the third would be, hey, once you have those things buttoned up and you, you feel good about your process, um, find the right way to communicate those, those changes to the recruiting and processing teams, right? Whether it's one person or a, a team of people um, and make sure you've got a way to, 
to measure how you're doing against those things. Hey, is this really working for drivers? Are we really following this process consistently? Um, and because uh, having the best process in the world that that only gets followed forty percent of the time um, isn't you know, isn't going to do you a lot of good. And that's way easier said than done. But those are kind of the, kind of the big three. Okay, well, I think that provides our uh, viewers and listeners a bit of a takeaway. I thank you for that. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks, too, for joining us on the podcast there, Tim. Uh, we've been talking to Tim Crawford. He's the CEO of 10 Street. Uh, appreciate your time, sir. Great insights, and we'll talk soon. Hey, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. I've been speaking with Tim Crawford, co-founder and CEO of 10 Street. When you're through listening to this episode, please take a moment to share it with your friends on social media and to connect with HTT. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll find all those links in the podcast description. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes of HTT Talks Trucking or HTT's Leadership Insights videos and podcasts. And there's lots more great content on our website, truckinginfo.com. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.